Well, in the United States alone, they get 200 reports a year, four a week. Every other day, a laboratory in the U.S. breaks a vial, you know, exposes their lab workers, loses these things. In one recent year, that 895 lab workers had to go see doctors because of potential exposures to potential pandemic pathogens. Now, that's crazy, right? Yeah. 900 people in one year. So why would you tell all the nations around the world to start doing the same thing? In fact, not telling them, requiring them to do it. Wow. So that's what this treaty does. That's what the, the amendments to the health regulations do. And it's insane. And nobody who understands what these, what's in these documents would agree with it. We sat down with Dr. Merrill Ness at the second annual Children's Health Defense Conference. There we talked about how the WHO set up strange contracts and is now trying to create new rules that would give it unprecedented power. Let's talk about WHO. What is your message? What, what have you been uh, recently finding and what do, you, what do you want to bring to the world? Yes, so um, the World Health Organization has been co-opted by uh, globalists to be used in a uh, way to legally take over sovereignty from nations mm -hmm. under the guise of pandemics and pr pandemic preparedness. Mm -hmm. So what the WHO has been since it was created in 1948 is a, an advisory body that will assist nations when they request it. And what it is trans trying to transition to is becoming a governing body that will give orders if there is a potential pandemic or a pandemic or a biological warfare event so that the WHO could make a declaration that there is a public health emergency of international concern and as a result of that declaration could then start issuing orders to countries of how they must manage it. So two documents have been created to allow this to happen. One is massive amendments to the, the current existing international health regulations, again, turning them from ad an advisory group of recommendations to orders. And then the other is a completely new pandemic treaty that has not existed before. It's really not necessary. The thing is, the WHO has no expertise in this area. The WHO has not shown us that there's any reason why it should be given the right to tell us how to manage pandemics. It declared a pandemic in 2009 to enable contracts that had been signed, sleeper contracts that the WHO had initiated between manufacturers and nation states to buy vaccines in the event of a declared pandemic. This is 2009. 2009. Mm -hmm. So these contracts had been made starting around 2004, mm -hmm. and they were only to be triggered they were only going into effect once a level six pandemic was declared by the director general of WHO. So in 2009, we heard there was a swine flu pandemic. Margaret Chan declared a level six pandemic and tens of billion dollars in contracts for vaccines were then actuated. And all these nations had to spend by them. And it turned out the pandemic was less severe than a normal flu. And one of the vaccines called Pandemrix that was used in Europe uh, caused um, a lot of cases of n severe narcolepsy in adolescents. Mm -hmm. And what happens, is, it, these contracts say that there will be no liability for the manufacturer. 
So the nation state has signed a contract where it agrees to buy millions of doses of a future vaccine. It knows nothing about what the vaccine is for, you know, which virus or bacteria. It doesn't know what it's going to be made of. It doesn't know what the side effects are. It doesn't know what the efficacy is. It knows nothing. There's the, the vaccine hasn't been designed yet. But there's a contract that says you're going to buy, you know, in the United States, maybe 200 million, 300 million doses. And so one declaration and you're off to the races. You've got to buy them. Mm -hmm. You may have already paid for them. Mm -hmm. And so that is one issue which um, is being pushed forward, except now the vaccines are to be made in 100 days, designed in 100 days with 30 more days to manufacture enough for the entire country. And this has been stated by the U.S., the EU, SEPI, uh, which is a Bill Gates, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Farrar-initiated NGO that works closely with the WHO. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going to happen when they declare. Now, will they mandate those vaccines? Mm -hmm. We don't know, mm -hmm. but they might. They did this time. The treaty, the pandemic treaty that has been proposed, um, wants liability protections for manufacturers. It, it wants to um, speed up all the regulatory processes, doesn't require licensure, mm -hmm. you know, and authoriz an emergency authorization is sufficient. Um, and we saw where that got us with COVID, you know, that's, we had that emergency use authorization for anthrax vaccine also. It's not a good idea. If a vaccine doesn't go through full licensure, and of course, in this case, FDA said it did, but didn't really go through all their processes for the COVID vaccines. It, it's not safe. I mean, every time a vaccine in recent, over the last 40 years, 50 years, um, every time in the US that a vaccine has been rapidly developed and used, it has been a failure. So starting in 1976, with the, the original swine flu vaccine caused Guillain-Barre syndrome at six to eight times the normal rate. It had to be taken off the market and there was no swine flu. The pandemic didn't even eventuate. Um, then we had these rapidly developed smallpox vaccines in 2003. They started causing myocarditis, heart attacks, heart failure. That had to be taken, uh, it was supposed to be for civilians. We'd bought, you know, 300 million doses for civilians. It had to be stopped after 30,000 doses because of all the heart complications. Mm -hmm. um, in 2009, we had the swine flu vaccine that caused, pen, you know, narcolepsy. And now we have the rapid COVID vaccines that have caused a host of side effects with myocarditis being the best documented, but many, many more. So, um, you know, we have four examples out of four that this doesn't work. You cannot make vaccines in a few months and expect them to be safe and effective. Mm -hmm. And yet this pandemic treaty and the international health regulations are requiring governments to do just that. So that's a disaster in itself. Another disaster that is built into these documents is the requirement that nations go out and perform surveillance for potential pandemic pathogens. So instead of asking Peter Daszak and EcoHealth Alliance to make contracts with over 30 countries to go collect dangerous bat and pangolin viruses, etc. These documents, the treaty and the uh, amendments to the international health regulation say that nations need to do this. And when they find potential pandemic pathogens, every nation has to set up genomics laboratories and figure out the sequences 
work on them and share them with the WHO, and the WHO will be sharing them with manufacturers, research centers, and universities. Mm-hmm. Now, all of that is illegal in the United States. So we have in the US something called the Select Agent Program, and there are 50 designated potential pandemic pathogens, including anthrax and SARS-like viruses, you know, many other things, in, for both animals and humans, d- diseases against animals and humans. And the CDC and USDA regulate the transfer and the research on all these potential pandemic pathogens. Mm -hmm. If you want to ship them to another research center, you have to get permission from the CDC to do it. You can't just send it off to the WHO and the WHO will share it with research centers and universities. No, Mm -hmm. the CDC has a record of every entity in the US that has a SARS or an anthrax or whatever. And so this idea to just start having all countries collecting these things and sharing them amongst each other is insane. Why would you want to give all these labs and all these countries access to potential pandemic pathogens? Now, why does the CDC have this program? For two reasons. They do, proliferation of biological weapons is against the law. Mm-hmm. We have a biological weapons convention. We have a Security Council resolution. Um, But the second reason is that laboratories that do research on these pathogens invariably have accidents. Mm -hmm. You have to report accidents, losses of of material or thefts to the CDC. Well, in the United States alone, they get 200 reports a year, four a week. Every other day, a laboratory in the U.S breaks a vial, you know, exposes their lab workers, loses these things. And um, I think it was 2021, but one recent year, there were yearly reports from the Select Agent Program. One recent year, that 895 lab workers had to go see doctors because of potential exposures to potential pandemic pathogens. Now, that's crazy, right? 900 people in one year. So why would you tell all the nations around the world to start doing the same thing? In fact, not telling them, requiring them to do it. Wow. So that's what this treaty does. That's what the, the amendments to the health regulations do. And it's insane. And nobody who understands what these, what's in these documents would agree with it. Mm-hmm. But it's all being done secretly. So nobody, nobody gets it. It just seems like there's a lot of incentive for pandemics to happen when there's all these contracts, multi-billion contracts are in place and they're just waiting to be executed. Exactly. Exactly. And the countries that make the vaccines are going to be the ones that have samples of the agents and probably have samples already of various agents. So yes, it's a terrible situation. And I mean, there's supposed to be a ban on this sort of thing not proliferation of work on it, and not financial incentives to have pandemics. Right. We should, we should have financial incentives to have no pandemic. Precisely. Right. Uh, or contracts. Um, so there's a burgeoning biodefense industry, which has really grown up since 2001, since the anthrax letters. In fact, you know, I believe one of the reasons we had the anthrax letters was to bring in this nascent biodefense industry. Because 
when, when that happened, there was no knowledge about what we needed. You know, if, you're, if you want to defend the United States against biological warfare or bioterrorism, well, what are the agents? You know, is it going to be SARS? Is it going to be anthrax? Is it going to be botulism? Plague? You know, what, what will it be? We don't know. So, and what do, what do products cost? What does it cost to have a drug for plague or a monoclonal antibody or a vaccine? What's a, what will it cost to develop? What will it cost to produce? Nobody knew. So companies could come in, you know, from the ground up, and it's a, it's a wild west. You can just make a product and potentially sell it to the government, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you had friends in the government. Charge what you wanted. So there were so many billions of dollars made available, you know, uh, averaging about $10 billion a year over the last 20 years. And in the requested budget for HHS and the Biden's budget for this year, mm-hmm. which hasn't been passed yet, he asked for $20 billion for um, pandemic preparedness just for HHS alone. And then there's more money in the Department of Homeland Security and in DOD's budget. So let's say um, we were talking about students, right? Back in the 60s, they would protest stuff like this. Uh, if, if there are students or young people listening to this and they want to get involved or stop the corruption or do something, how, what can they do? Well, um, I created an organization that was called Door to Freedom, doortofreedom.org, no punctuation, um, to post all of the WHO documents. There's different, there's the current draft and there are earlier drafts of the pandemic treaty and the international health regulations. And then we have short explanations and long detailed explanations of the documents. And uh, we have videos. We've posted a lot of information about the entire Great Reset, but we're focused on what is happening at the WHO because that is happening fast. In May of next year, the countries of the world will vote on whether to accept these two treaties. And then they will, they, the State Department and the Biden administration do not plan to get them ratified through the Senate, just sign off on them mm-hmm. uh, by not calling them treaties. So even though it was called a pandemic treaty initially, the latest version calls it an agreement, one version calls it an accord. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the plan is that just somebody in the State Department will sign their name and they will go into effect. Um, the treaty will go into effect very quickly. The amendments will take 12 months to go into effect. So yeah, students should protest. This is um, elevating germ warfare to something that is I mean, the potential for germ warfare by encouraging nations to go out and find potential pandemic pathogens, work on them in their laboratories and share the results mm-hmm. and, and put the genome sequence online. That's another thing that's required. And a hacker could get the genome sequence. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is just insane. So do we want more? Do we want to change the world? So we're worried about constant pandemics and every nation has dozens or hundreds of agents that could cause a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We don't want that world. Yeah. Students do something, you know, realize that you have power. There are millions of college students in the United States. There are millions of uh, high school students 
Say you're going to stop going to class until this nonsense that your elders are putting forth has been stopped. Right. And I you actually... You have a thousand stories, probably. <laughs> yeah, I do have a thousand stories because I, I started working on biological warfare 35 years ago. Oh, wow. You know, I, I um, identified the, the first offensive use of biological warfare in modern times, mm -hmm. which was um, uh, a major anthrax ep epizootic in uh, Rhodesia during its civil war, only against the blacks. Really? Yeah, they had over 10,000 cases, all in black people. Mm -hmm. um, it was probably oh. spread from the air. I don't, know. I don't know how it was spread. But Rhodesia was, like the old South Africa, it was broken into, um, it was apartheid. So they had mm -hmm. tribal trust lands. So the half of the land mass, which was the poorer land, was given over to black people to live on and all of these anthrax epidemics broke out in the black area. And so I spent three years studying that, and I wrote a paper and proved it was due to biological warfare. 31 wow. years ago, I published it. Wow. <laughs> and so, if people were able to do that, then now, yes. like, I mean, just taking the accidents out of the equation and saying everybody, this people are working in good faith, and they're gonna try their best to contain everything and, and take care of everything. Right, and let's say America's the most advanced and we uh, transfer all these standards to all other countries, right? And they have ways to treat the patients if, or the staff. Uh, like, let's say everything's a perfect case scenario. How about bad actors, people who right. want to hurt the exactly. world or the countries or the West? That's like, we're not even... Exactly. Oh, I mean, let's that. look at Ukraine and Israel and Gaza. There's a lot of bad actors. Right. So five to 10% of the population are sociopaths. They have no empathy. They can carry out these things without pangs of conscience. Just for the heck of it. Or, for, well, or with some kind of mission. Or, or, or they incentive. were given orders. Mm. Or it's a strategic imperative. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable for us normal people.